From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Monday, August 3rd, 2020. It is a major championship week. It's been a while since I've been able to say that. But yes, this is the week of the PGA Championship, the first major of the year, or as Jeff Shackelford said this morning, Glory's first shot, uh, a uh, take on their previous catchphrase, Glory's last shot. Um, and to do that, we welcome in our friends, uh, our friend from the Golf News Net. It is Ryan Ballinger. Good afternoon, sir. Hey, Jeremy. How are you? I am fine. Um, somebody asked this of a player in a press conference last week, and I forget who, but the thought just came to me, which is why I'm not prepped on it. Um, does this feel like a major championship week, or with everything in this country and all these sports coming back and... You've got hockey and basketball for 12 hours a day right now. Does it feel like a major championship week in golf? I don't know. I mean, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because we've had such great fields for the last you know eight weeks or so. It's kind of hard to say, well, this is, this is a major. I mean, other than the name, which we know what that means. But... If you just gave me the lineup of the field, I go, well, last week we had a stronger field. Uh, Memorial had a stronger field. Um, you, know, you, you go, okay, well, I guess it's not a major by comparison. Uh, Memorial felt like a major because of the setup. I don't know what the setup's going to be like this week. I, I haven't studied it enough to know for sure if it's going to be uh, uh, kind of more like the uh, best page last year or more like Bell Reeve two years prior. And will it feel more like a glorified PGA Tour event or major, major? And I, I don't know, but uh, I think that the excitement is kind of built around this to some degree. I think that there are, people are have a recognition there's a difference between winning a TPC Southwind in a World Golf Championships event and winning the PGA Championship, even if there are no fans. So I, I think it'll... It'll grow on people in the next couple of days, and then people will be excited when we get there Thursday morning. One thing that I think is interesting about this, Ryan, is we've only really had one event with Thick Rough, and that was Muirfield Village Part 2, um, the uh, the uh, memorial tournament presented by Nationwide. I am, I'm going to try to get as many sponsors uh, into this podcast as possible. Uh, which is a laugh on a conversation we had off air about some of the uh, companies who sponsor golf tournaments in this country. Um, but, it, you know, besides that, we've really seen either because of heat or choice or rain, a lot of soft, um, uh, soft golf courses, rough that's manageable. And I think what could be interesting this week is when those major championship nerves start coming, Ryan, does somebody end up in an area of the golf course wayward that is not beaten down? Because so often at a major, we have heard cries of, go far, far left. Please go far, far left. Because they know it's in the people. They know they'll get line of sight relief from some scoreboard or something or some grandstand, sorry. And it's better than being just off the fairway. I'm very curious to see what it's like way, way off the fairway this week. Yeah, I mean, there, there's not the advantage of a trampled down uh, set of grass. So I guess that's a little bit different, but they haven't had that for eight weeks now. So I, th I think there's no uh, 
there's no illusion about what they're going to get out there. There's no bailout spots. Uh, it's a, but at the same time, this is also a public golf course that got several months off. Um, so it should be in tremendous shape. Yeah. It should it should be sticking gnarly if they want to make it that way. Uh, they can get the green speeds up pretty high, but POA only lets you do so much. And we're going to have some coastal cool weather, like like it is pretty much every time you go to San Francisco. You get in that part of the of the bay, uh, 65 degrees and a little chilly. I mean, pretty much every day of the year. So there's that to consider. The weather will uh, maybe slow things down a little bit. So it'll be it, it's going to be really interesting for these guys because the, they haven't played in cool weather in these last eight weeks. Um, they've been playing in some pretty nasty heat and humidity. And I think there's an adjustment to that in terms of how far the ball goes, in terms of just what you feel on the golf course that they're going to have to get used to over the next few days. We're talking to Ryan Ballinger here. Um, I want to read you something that Brooks Kepka said yesterday at the conclusion of the World Golf Championships FedEx St. Jude Invitational. 18, you're one back. You've got to take an aggressive line there. I'm not going to bail out in those bunkers. I didn't hit that bad of a tee shot. Maybe just lined up a little bit left or what. Pleased with it. Why wouldn't I be? I'm so confused by Brooks Kepka sometimes. And I'm glad to see that he seems healthier. I'm glad to see that he seems like he's in a better headspace um, than he was a couple weeks ago when he missed the cut at the 3M Open. Um, looks like the work he did with Claude Harmon, uh, uh, Pete Cowan, and, and Phil Kenyon starting to pay off. But to me, to give yourself a chance when you're as good as you are as Brooks Kepka, the one place you cannot miss it is in that water left. And whether he pulled it or not, that just seems to be oddly cocky for my money than I would expect. I'm not sure, I mean, I'm not sure what I was expecting to hear because that's Brooks and that's what you expect to hear from Brooks, but this is just exceedingly cocky to my ear. Yes and no, and I say this to someone who says the kind of stuff that he says sometimes <laughs> when you hit a bad shot but you did what you wanted. Um, sometimes you get a bad result when you did what you thought was the right thing in golf. And Brooks apparently thinks he lined up wrong. I don't, I don't know what the, the flaw ultimately was, whether he pulled it, whether he lined up wrong, whatever, both could be. But if he feels like he hit a good shot, then... The, the result was poor, okay, well, you can fix that. You can fix bad setup. You can fix a little tug. Um, but you, you can't fix approach. And so I think his walk away from that is, I, had, I wanted to win the golf tournament, and the only way I was going to win the golf tournament is if I nuked one down the, the hugging side of the fairway, gave myself an angle, got a birdie, and got to a playoff. And I'm, I tried to do that, and I failed but I did what I wanted. And that's that confidence that comes with executing what you feel you need to do in that situation is more important than going, yeah, you know, I screwed up. It wasn't great. I uh, went left. You know, too bad. I, I think he needs, he wants to, he's the kind of person who doesn't like to be down on himself for very long. He wants to take the positive from the situation and, 
if that's how he wants to do it, that, that's okay. I mean, I do, like I said, I do it too. I, I'll tell you the other day, I played golf. I thought it played really well. Um, I probably could have scored 10 or 12 shots lower than I, I turned in. And part of that was because a lot of bounces didn't go my way. Am I going to be mad about the total score? Maybe at first, but in reality, I didn't play poorly. It just didn't go right. And sometimes that happens in golf. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I just, for some reason, the way that quote read to me was he was satisfied with hitting it in the one place where he did not give himself a chance. And maybe I'm steering it too much. Maybe I'm overthinking and being too protective. But at least from where I sit, it seems like you've got to give yourself a chance there by all means. Now, I understand, for example, if, if that's just all trees and rough and, and bunkers and you try to bomb it over the corner to cut some off and give yourself a wedge, I get it. But if it's if it's water, you're jail and you saw how far back he was and, and how much he had to hook it to try to hole out to win. It just, it, it just seemed like maybe this is the way Brooks is wired and maybe this is the mind games that... that some of us don't understand as to why he's been so successful in majors, but it just seems odd to me. And then you take this one step further, and you and you said and you think about Justin Thomas. He said yesterday after his uh, victory, "That's the nice part about having no fans. There were no roars or anything I could think about other than just me executing every shot the best I could." I think that's something that helped me today in terms of learning from the Workday Charity Open. I just didn't get ahead of myself any time those last two, three holes where I felt like my mind was kind of wondering, maybe thinking about winning. I basically told myself to shut up and figure out what you're doing because I could lose that tournament just as easy as I've won it today. It's somebody who counted the lucky breaks and was grateful for the lucky breaks versus somebody who's okay with a poor result. I don't know if that made sense, but that's what I'm kind of after. Well, I think you heard what you just said, Justin Thomas talked about, shut up and figure it out. I could have lost this tournament just as easily. Brooks could have won it just as easily. I think that we often look at the end result of a three-shot win is the end margin there. But it's, I mean, I hate to say this, but three shots isn't three shots in, at this level of professional golf. Three shots is a couple of inches. It, it, ultimately, that's what it is to these guys. So I think there's a realization that winning has some luck and some variance to it. Uh, I'm not a real big believer in luck, but variance. And so three shots is a couple feet here, a couple inches there stuff that may be even out of your control. Um, and so for JT to say, you know what, I definitely got a little lucky out there, um, had some things go my way, but also got in the right situation, didn't have to deal with fans, didn't have to deal with the discomfort of maybe them cheering or someone charging. I mean, you have to think about Tom Lewis charging or anything like that because he probably didn't even know. So um, I think that there are a lot of things that, we maybe attach too much value to sometimes, uh, but that a lot of pros discount because they realize that's all part of the kind of variance that's out of your control of, of winning a golf tournament. 
Talking to Ryan Ballinger here on Teeing It Up. Speaking of Justin Thomas, even he said yesterday uh, when he talked about getting uh, into California late, um, I uh, he needs to learn the golf course since he's never been to Harding Park, doesn't know much about it. And quote, I need to learn, uh, sorry, I need to work on a couple things in my game. For my money, if I'm a Justin Thomas fan, he thinks he's good mentally. He thinks he said that having not having no fans out there may not have taken um, as much out of him as it would have if there were fans. Yet there there are a couple things that he needs to work on, and I think the difference between today and 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 Dublin Part One, or sorry, yesterday and and Dublin Part One was JT was able to capitalize when he did and got himself a lead. And, and he took every opportunity and pounced on it. But to me, he's got to tighten up some of these misses. I mean, that was 45 yards right on 18. That was way left on 15, way right on 16. He's got to tighten up this shot dispersion um, number, whatever the technical shot link term is. Um, for my money, if he's going to win in a place like Harding Park, tree-lined, a lot of dog legs, and a very angular golf course. I'm not convinced of that. Um, and I huh. said not only because of Justin Thomas, but Bryson. Brooks. I mean, Brooks is a horrible driver of the golf ball uh, half the time. I mean, just heinously bad. But when he hits it kind of straight and there's no water in his way, gives himself a chance. Um I, I'm not convinced that Harding Park is a place you can't spray it everywhere and do okay. Now, the trees are taller, right, than Southwind, but the trees are also not as thick as in places like Muirfield. So I don't think there's as huge of a penalty for missing wide as it might seem if you're willing to play it low, if you're willing to work the ball a little bit. Uh, that's not to say that you shouldn't try to hit it straight. Uh, I think you should. I think it's generally a good strategy to put the ball in the fairway. But I don't think that there's going to be as big of a penalty as maybe you would expect from missing the rough, in part because of the public course and in part because I just don't think the PGA of America is going out of their way to gouge these guys with rough so deep because the trees are trimmed in a fashion that you can kind of get around them, not easily, but that you can get around them and create some opportunities if your your risk on attempt to try to drive around dog legs, which there are a lot of, or drive you know take angles over trees, maybe they don't pay off. But I don't think the penalty is going to be as huge as it seems. Is this the most we've ever disagreed on a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm just in a mood, but I, I just don't. I don't think Harding Park is that difficult of a golf course. Um, I don't think it's easy. I'm not saying that. Right, but compared to what we've, what we, I mean, Southwind, there's some a little bit more trees, and frankly, they're just not trimmed. Ideally, Muirfield Village was way harder because the rough was super deep, and the tree when you miss there, it's pretty thick, like tr- you know, tree wise. There's, there's not a lot of convenience. There's a more of a canopy. Uh, I just don't see that kind of canopy at, at Harding Park. I mean, not in the same way. I mean, I feel like Muirfield was more of a U.S. Open than this PGA is going to be a PGA. And so. and maybe more of a U.S. Open than Wingfoot will be because Wingfoot, they've got to return to the membership. Muirfield Village, they chopped up during the back nine. Right. I mean, I, I get, and I, I'm 
Google image searching all these pictures of Harding Park right now to kind of look at my point. But if you look at the way the trees are trimmed at Harding Park, and this is something that a lot of good modern courses do, but this is just the nature of the trees at Harding Park. The canopies are all way up, and there's almost nothing underneath of it. So you don't catch all of these random limbs. If you can find a path to the hole, if you can find a way out of whatever trees you're facing, you can get to the hole. You can get to the green. So I, I don't think you're going to run into a lot of situations where, I mean, some guys are going to be behind trees, and, you know, there'll be those spots, of course. But I don't, I don't think if you're a, a top pro, you think, well, I can't get around this. But there's no way. I mean, some guys are going to try and go over, but a lot of guys are just going to go under and around. We're talking to Ryan Ballinger here. I, I think you'll agree, Ryan, that Rich Beam will not win the PGA. I think we can agree on that. I don't think that he will. I'll put it that way. <laughs> um, so one thing that I find interesting about this week is that Somebody who could be a favorite, yet has had some problems on Sundays, has some history here, and that would be Rory McIlroy. And this golf course has really not undergone a lot of changes in the last five years since the match play was here. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how Rory does this week, because he's somebody, you've got to be accurate, you know, to a point, but it's a, you've got to be accurate in the sense that, that he's somebody that, when he's on, plays a golf course like Tiger does, which is right place, misses it in the right spots, um, you know, leaves himself either hole high or just below the hole, so on and so forth. This is a good golf course for him. He's had a lot of success in this golf course, and yet he's had a lot of problems closing. Is this mental or physical, in your opinion, for Rory this week? Mental. Um, I mean, he's been very mediocre in the restart. And I think he kind of gave that away, gave the reason why away in uh, the pre-tournament news conference this week. He said just every week feels kind of the same. They're all about the same. I mean, that's, that's paraphrasing a little bit, but that's yeah. basically what he said. They're all the same. And it's hard to get excited when everything feels the same, when there's, there's kind of no point to it, when there's a nihilistic attitude that nothing matters, we're just playing golf. And... That's not to say that that's because I believe Rory McIlroy is higher-minded than the average PGA Tour player, which, I mean, I believe that, but I I don't think that's why. I think it's because it's just hard to get up for tournament golf when it just kind of feels like you're going through the motion. So I wonder if this week will feel different to him. Probably not, because it's still just golf. It's still just a golf tournament. So I guess he's got to find a way to be interested, first of all. Second of all, if he does get interested invested, and it does pay out, and he does get into contention on Sunday, there's been no one in golf who's been in a final group more in like the last five years on a Sunday than Rory McIlroy. And he strikes out a lot. He doesn't win much, given that amazing rate at which he finds himself in the final group. And so I guess he's got to battle different sets of demons depending on where he is in the tournament. Or does he get into a place where, you know, he's kind of on the outskirts of contention on Saturday and on Sunday goes out kind of early. There's no fans to build him up. There's nothing to really spook him. Uh, And he goes and shoots like a 64 or 63 or something. 
and rockets up the leaderboard and wins the fifth major. I don't know, but I think he's got to get if he's gonna if it's a clean tournament where he just kind of plays, you know, your standard golf where you play your way in the toward the contention spot, and then you win in contention. Then he's got to overcome those two sets of things. One interest that this tournament is in fact different than the others, and two, um, whatever his Sunday problems are, which again is a multi-year problem he has yet to figure out. He only is leading, um, you know, it's only about 68 points, uh, FedEx Cup points that he has to stay in the Wyndham top 10 right now. He's fifth, but it's only about a 60-point difference. This is what he should be playing for, these Wyndham Rewards regular season bonus pool money. What's the issue, Ryan? Why can't he get up for these events? (laughs) Uh, I mean, when did he... I know he's talked about this at different points over the years, so I, I'm going to get the date wrong, but he basically doesn't care. Yeah, no, and and and, and that was me. Um, um, but I but I mean just, that in a not just, just cracking a joke comment. But, yeah, doesn't care. Like money doesn't move the needle for him. He's got more money than he's ever going to need. He's got enough money for several generations of his family, like ten, uh, just to spend, and they wouldn't lose it all. And he's got a couple FedEx Cups, so who cares about that? He's got four majors. I mean, he cares, but clearly he doesn't that much. Um, otherwise, he'd make some changes, right? I mean, he'd get rid of his caddy, Harry Diamond, or something. Or he'd work with Michael Bannon more. Or, I don't know, just something to change it up. Obviously, it doesn't bother him. And yeah. one, that's, that's good, because what he does is tremendous, and it gets him in contention more than anybody else. But... There's something there that won't let him get to a fifth major uh, and won't be more than a, a PGA Tour stud. And and to that end, I was obviously being sarcastic, but I think there is a point about these guys and, and would they get up in, in, you know, in this bizarre atmosphere. And we saw at, at the Workday Charity Open when Justin Thomas made the bomb in the first playoff hole, he, you know, he screamed. And that was a scream that could be heard all the way to Cincinnati. So... You know, that was one loud scream. For Rory, A, you're not playing very well, and B, you're, you're having trouble getting up. And it's, you know, um, in, in, in the Golf Week interview, Bison, uh, 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 sorry, Brooks Kepka talked about how he gets bored sometimes in regular PGA Tour events. So I, I think it's interesting to, to, as much as we in the golf media have this ongoing joke about the FedEx Cup and the Wyndham Rewards and all these things that the Tour floats out there I think there is something to be said for you always have something to play for you may regret not trying harder on a Sunday when you're out of contention later on how does things feel and how do things feel and how does the body feel as we go forward which brings me to Ricky Fowler another person who on paper this golf course not very long would would seem perfect for him but he Ryan does not seem like these swing changes with John Tillery have clicked yet on a Sunday is he more a 2021 major guy than a 2020 major guy I don't know if he's ever a major guy to be honest Mm. Um, he just underperforms consistently that's who he is gets himself in a position and then eh lets it go and it's not necessarily because he blows up doesn't shoot like 78 but he just doesn't have it on Sunday and if you don't have it on Sunday uh, someone's going to find it and you're going to be left in the you know holding the bag Um, I just don't 
at this point, I'm kind of convinced Ricky Fowler's never going to win a major because he just he can't do it in a WGC. What makes you convinced he's going to do it in a major championship? And he can rack up top threes and top fives and top tens forever and make a, a ton of money. And really, I mean, I think it goes back to the, I think it's somewhat like Rory McIlroy, where Rory's so good with just the way he is. Why expend any more emotional and mental energy in doing something different? You're on a gravy train. Ricky's on a gravy train. I mean, not not quite the same gravy train, but very similar. So I think until you feel the need to do something more, Mentally, the, the physical changes have been good. I like them in Ricky Swing. But until you feel the need to do something more, do something different, you're just not going to get better. And the, for the physical stuff that he's fixing, which is good, it'll help his longevity. But the mental stuff needs to be fixed too. And I, I just don't see any suggestion that that is changing. This leads me to Bryson DeChambeau, who changed a whole lot physically and now becomes an interesting test. Because historically, Kerry Haig setups, the guy who sets up the uh, PGA Championship, has been the most beloved course setup man of anybody because it's as close to the PGA Tour setup as any major all year, which if you talk to players, they will tell you they have a lot of respect for how the PGA Tour sets up their golf courses week in, week out. Some have a problem with, uh, you know, one whole location or one week's whatever. But by and large, there's a lot of respect for what they do week in, week out. And Kerry Haig tends to follow that lead with higher rough and a little bit tougher setups. Here we are, Bryson bombing it. And you look at these dog legs, Ryan. You know, you talk about the Google Map thing. You talk, you know, you look at these holes and these dog legs, and this could be a heads up, everybody. Um, I'm going to go after this. I just think that we're too early into this experiment to know if it has longevity when it comes to both his physical health, which is more a season preview recap question, but specifically with majors, it just seems to me that we are a little bit um, not there yet in knowing whether Bryson can do this full time and at a major and pull it off and hit these 40, 50, 60, you know, 65 yard shots um, with the same success rate as he does everything else. What's your thoughts on Bryson when it comes into this week after trying to drive the green on 18 yesterday at Southwind, which in 30-plus years of going there, Nance and Finchie had said they had never seen anybody attempt to do what Bryson uh, um, tried to do. It was pretty stupid, wasn't it? Yes. Um, <laughs> I can't believe he did it either. It was remarkably dumb. Um <laughs> So, I, I think my theory on Bryson this week is, I think the 10 bothered him. Uh, I think the 10 at Muirfield bothered him a lot. Because not only did it lead to him looking bad, but it also led to a damage of his psyche. And I feel like he is, he is probably one of the most mentally fragile top players there is. And I think we've seen it before and again, where... Like it, from his rise to become the U.S. Amateur Champion, he was a mediocre college golfer up until that run at SMU. Comes out, has a nice run to start, 
but he goes in these kind of waves where he wins a whole bunch and then loses it and goes into the wilderness and then kind of went into the wilderness and decides, you know, I'm going to gain 40 pounds and it goes great and he plays the best golf that you can imagine and then makes a 10 and looks like junk, like just looks like junk. Um, I think it, I think he has a very thin edge when he has it and right now he doesn't have it. Now the question is, can he get it back? Um, that's going to be really interesting because I think that's the I, I think the physical part, you know, that the, the the swing adjustments that he's made and getting bulkier and stuff, they're very interesting and they seem to have worked for him. But when something rattles him, it seems to rattle him for a long time. Like the ant ruling that bothered him. Like, yes. no, if you are mentally tough, that does not matter to you. And so I guess he's trying to overcome the mental fragility that he has with a physical adjustment, and hopefully that carries through. It doesn't work like that, but if he can build some confidence in the first couple of rounds and build it back, right, then maybe on Saturday and Sunday in a situation with no fans and no obvious outward markers that there's the pressure of winning a major championship on, maybe he can figure it out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that whole sequence was just amazing. I've never seen anybody have a problem like that. I've never seen anybody have a situation where they are, where they literally tried to do 10 cup. And it was like, it, it was like it, it, taking an iron for him would have been somehow an insult to him. Like, like if, uh, I I think the name is is uh, Tim Tucker is caddy. I I I think the first name's Tim, if I'm not mistaken. Um, That's right. Yeah. If Tim had suggested no, just just take seven iron and go over there. I feel like Bryson would have been insulted. Yeah. And and that's the way he's wired. And to me, that's the overthinking, and that's just the total um, disregard that he has sometimes for the bigger picture, which is, okay, you hit a shitty shot. You can actually do very well by going back and, and you know, playing like David Toms for a second here and just doing the prudent play, pitching out, not trying the hero shot, and then going from there instead of everything else he did. He's a, he's, He's a very unique character in this game, and he's somebody that's going to be very hard. Um, I think a lot's going to have to go his way. I think he's somebody, you know, I always look to Farmers Insurance Open, Tory, Kyle Stanley, and what happened on 18 and that um, meltdown as, as one of the most classic to learn from golf meltdowns in history because he just couldn't hit the prudent wedge shot to the back of the green to be able to try to get this victory the hard way. Sorry, the, the, the easier way. And I think until Bryson, I, I think this is something where Bryson is going to have to be watched all the way to the 72nd hole just to make sure that he can keep it together until that very last shot. He's going to be a very unique person uh, to watch. We have not talked one second here about Tiger. Um, who looms, and I think that Tiger um, 
it, it's not about the body for him. It's about, um, well, it, it's twofold. A, there's this theory that it's for the U.S. Open and for the Masters, and this has nothing to do with the PGA, and the PGA is just a warm-up event. We'll get to that theory in a second. For me, golf-wise, I think it's going to be this weather. The early forecast had it sunny and in the low 70s. Right now, the forecast, and you talked about it earlier, mid to upper 60s and cool and clouds and sun, that means the marine layer. I was there uh, almost at exactly this time of year, um, uh, seven years ago, um, for a wedding. And, I, and we stopped by Harding Park on the way back from the airport. Uh, sorry, way back to the airport at like basically 10 a.m. local time. And it was as chilly as we were the entire time we were in the San Francisco uh, Bay Area and then up in the wine country. And to me, this is about the body, not the game. If the body doesn't react good, Tiger's hopping home and going on to the Northern Trust. If the body is good, I think we'll see him on Sunday potentially in contention just because he does have some history here and can find a way to get the ball in the hole if he putts well on Poana, which is always a question mark for him. Yeah, I think that that pretty well sums it up. Um, I don't, I'm not, I mean, we've, like you said, we've gone 30 some odd minutes and not talked about Tiger. Uh, he's not even on my radar this week. And I don't mean that he can't win. I'm just not thinking about him because he has only played once and he looked okay. There was some good, there was some bad. Um, but I don't really know where his game is. I mean, you, you, <laughs> we've only seen him play like, uh, you know, a handful of holes on TV in the last month. Not and sure he not, knows where his game it, is. It just is what it is. So while he's had some success on the West Coast, of course, uh, being a California kid, I and he's seen some success at Pebble, you know, but the, the putting is was suspect at Muirfield Village on perfect greens. So I guess there's somewhat of an equalizing effect because of POA. Um He's not going to take crazy lines, so you know he can work the ball comfortably both ways, which is not something a lot of pros these days can do. So that may work to his advantage if he just kind of plots his way around. The golf course isn't that long, so him not being Tiger of 2000 doesn't mean anything. I mean, there's a there's potential for positives. There's potential for a lot of good stuff there, but I just don't know what guy's going to show up, and I don't know if he's going to hate the weather in the mornings, and I don't know if any of this really even matters to him um, right now. And, and will it, like, same thing with Rory. Will it matter when he gets there? Will it matter when he gets into contention? Will it matter if he's there on a Sunday? I, he's a guy so heavily pushed forward in his career by crowds and by momentum. Where do you draw for that? Where do you draw from that in a tournament situation? And he's only had one attempt at that in the restart. And obviously he didn't play that well for it to matter. So there are a lot of question marks about Tiger. I mean, there are about almost every golfer. But there, there are a lot of question marks about Tiger that make it really hard to go and say, yeah, I love him to finish in the top 10 this week or even the top 20. It's kind of hard to just put that out there. Um, no offense to the club pros. I love you. I work for your organization. You guys are amazing. Uh I'll say three make the cut. None of them win. Have have the chance of winning. Phil Mickelson has no chance of winning. 
and Bubba Watson has no chance of winning. Xander Shoffley wins this in a playoff over Patrick Cantlay. Two California guys battling it out to the end. That is my prediction for the 2020 PGA Championship. Who has no shot? Who's your sleeper? And who wins this golf tournament? Well, I mean, all the club pros have no shot. Um, but if you're going to pick one, Marty Jertsen, or uh, I think Marty Jertsen's kind of my guy. He's played pretty well in, in our model. He kind of stands out as a random outlier among the club professionals. Um, Rob Labritz is mine. Yeah, he's also very, very good. He's also in our model pretty well. Um, but he has more experience than, than Marty does. Uh, who's not going to win? Patrick Reed, probably. Um, I don't think he likes this type of weather. I don't think he likes this. I don't think he likes West Coast. I think he gets kind of bugged out by this stuff pretty easily. So I'm going to take him off the board. I love Xander in the majors. I mean, he's he's a basically a 50% top 10 rate in the major championships in his young career. So figuring it out here would not be a bad thing, uh, and it wouldn't be that unlikely. Same thing for Patrick Cantlay. I think the same thing. I mean, there's kind of a sort of, I mean, it's not exactly Revere, of course, because L.A. and San Francisco are different, but there's some vibes of Riviera at Harding Park, which might be work in his favor I think Phil Mickelson actually kind of has a chance not a, not a great chance but better than his odds I think his odds are 100 to 1, 125 to 1 depending on where you're shopping I think it's better than that I think he's I just think he likes something about Northern California golf and so I'm gonna I'm gonna put that out there but I think Justin Thomas is the man to beat this week he uh, he's been so consistent He's learned something from a loss recently. He's won recently. Um, he knows how to win this championship because this is his one major. And I have a, I said this, I think, in a preview that I wrote, a fantasy preview that I wrote. The PGA Championship in August, for all of its years where there were like weird winners, has also a reputation when it was in August of crowning the best player of the year. It just, I mean, even Mark Brooks, when he won 96 was his career year. He won three times that year, and he never did anything better than that in his entire career. And I think that this event, where it is right now on the calendar, the way that it's set up, no fans, all that stuff, I think that sets up well for a golfer who has played the best golf this year, this season on the PGA Tour, to come out with another major title. So I'm going to say Justin Thomas is the winner by two or three, maybe over Rory. I, interesting. Um, we'll see how much Justin Thomas um, had last week take out of him. We'll see if that left miss. You can't miss left lane 18 or else you'll end up in a little body of water called the Pacific. Um, so we'll see uh, how that impacts him and if a left miss becomes the fear and, and kind of where that all winds up. Uh, going back to 15 yesterday and then the, the uh, two blocks on 16 and 18. Um, it, it's it's, it's going to be very interesting. And I do think with that win yesterday, he moves ahead of Brendan Todd in the player of the year race. Um, um, so I, I do think the best player, if you look at the entire season, even with all its quirks, has been Justin Thomas and that would crown the best player the winner. We could do this for another three hours. Uh, we unfortunately can't because both of us 
have things to get to, but uh, I like this kind of edgy Ryan Ballinger. This is uh, this has been fun. <laughs> Every once in a while, I kind of get into a mood that have some opinions, and I kind of stick with them. But uh, I think this will be a really good week. I, I am genuinely excited to have a major championship on TV. It may not feel exactly different to everybody who's competing, but I think it will by the time we get to Thursday, and hopefully we get a great week of primetime golf in the co- you know on the bay uh, on a pretty cool public golf course. You don't get that often. No, you don't. You know, it goes to a public course in back-to-back years, so hopefully this turns out to be uh, or it turns out to be a great week for golf. Four to ten p.m. Eastern on Sunday on uh, Saturday for CBS. Three to nine p.m. Eastern on Sunday for CBS. Move aside sixty minutes. We're coming to prime time for the PGA Championship. Brian Ballinger, Golf News Net. Thank you as always for coming on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate it. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.